Welcome to Northern Gold, a football podcast from the Evening Express and Preston Journal. I'm your host, Ryan Crail, and today I'm joined by Andy Skinner and Paul Third, representing firstly the North, and then Paul, he'll be dealing with Aberdeen. How are you guys? Good, Very well, thanks, Ryan. Yep, yourself? Yes, yes, it's been a, an exciting week so far. We obviously had the return of the Premiership where Aberdeen in action against Rangers. 1-1 drop, Tadri on Tuesday. At the same time as Ross County were winning 3-1 at home to Motherwell, which is a pretty sparkling display from the Staggies, despite going down to 10 men. Obviously, it's cup action this weekend coming up. And, well, I mean, tonight, this will probably be out by the time it's played, but uh, we've obviously got uh, Cove Rangers in action at Easter Road against Hibs in the Cup. We've got Aberdeen against Edinburgh City at the weekend. We've got County against Livingston. Plenty going on. But yes, let's first go back to the Dons, as we always do. It was the game on Tuesday against Rangers wasn't free from controversy in the first half. Aberdeen probably should have had a penalty when Alan McGregor clipped Ryan Hedges once Hedges had sort of flicked the ball over the top of him. Uh, Rangers go right up the pitch and score through uh, Haji. But Aberdeen, I think we saw a different side of Aberdeen, didn't we, Paul, that we haven't necessarily seen in the last few years against Selkin Rangers in that they went a goal down. And they showed that they had the character to kind of continue. There was a bit, uh, they, they, they dropped off for a little spell, but in the second half, certainly, they took the game to Rangers. They, you know, they showed that they weren't just going to sort of capitulate, having conceded. It's a good way of putting it. I think it, it was very similar to the performance at Ibrox, albeit this time Aberdeen were looking to press home an early two-goal lead. Sorry, the, the first game at Ibrox, and whereas this time they're trying to get back into the game. Um, it, it, it was interesting because Aberdeen dominated possession against Rangers and it's been a while since we've been able to say that they really restricted the attempt at Joe Lewis's goal as well which has been a feature in this incredible roller coaster season but it has been a feature of their home matches so far and that teams don't get an awful lot of shots away now we can discuss the <laughs> goal conversion ratio maybe in another episode that could probably take a, a, a whole week of recording just to try and figure out why so many go in but uh, on the whole Joe Lewis didn't have an awful lot to do and that's been the case for most of the, the season at home. In terms of Rangers, um, I mean, you, you, I was looking at it. Stephen Davis was out, Ryan Jack, Scott Arfield and Joe Aribo. And that meant Aberdeen totally dominated the midfield and they pushed Rangers right back. They played on the front foot from the first whistle to the last and they were aggressive and in your faces. Everything an Aberdeen fan wants to see from their team, not just when Rangers come to town, but in any game. And the stats overall reinforce that. Aberdeen were the better team, and not for the first time, they must be wondering why they didn't beat Rangers when they did. The thing that I noticed quite a lot of, and it's clearly something that's been worked on during the winter break, it's given Stephen Glass a chance to kind of, you know, get a a bit more time, a bit more um, time on the training pitch with his players, but Aberdeen, they were quite high, The, the defensive line was quite high, David Bates was pretty much spent most of the game on the halfway line. Um, and that meant that they were also able to press Rangers high, especially at the start of the game. That first 20 minutes, you really noticed um, Aberdeen put a lot of pressure on Rangers when they had the ball. And when Aberdeen had the ball, they were getting players wide. They weren't, they weren't, you know, it wasn't sideways passing. They weren't afraid to try and play through the lines, play through the middle of the pitch. After they conceded, I think that kind of, they, they did sort of get a bit more tentative, but it was it was back in the second half. What kind of, what, um, 
what players would you say impressed you the most on the night? I think Lewis Ferguson was certainly impressive. The composure for the penalty, especially with the ball moving the way it did with the wind, was pretty impressive. Scott Brown maybe maybe impressed for different reasons, more the sort of uh, the dark arts, perhaps um, <laughs> as we've uh, come to know and love him for. But Christian Ramirez as well for me, he looked like he put in a power of work. And Johnny Hayes, potentially one of the best games he's had since he came back to the club. Yeah, you're reading my mind with that last bit. Um, for me, Johnny Hayes was the standout performer on the pitch on the night. He rolled back the years with what I consider his best display since he returned to the club, what, what 18 months ago now? Uh, Lewis Ferguson remains the linchpin of the team, so I, mean, I know we're all... Now looking at Scott Brown, thinking, "Oh, it's great seeing the <laughs> the dark arts," as he put it. Our our own Professor Snape now uh, running uh, running riot in terms of getting in the heads, and um, he does live rent free. I saw a tweet describing it as that he does. He lives rent free in the heads of not just the Rangers fans, but I think some of the players as well. And he he would have reveled in Ryan Kent being dismissed, which was a red card. Let's get that out in the on the open but but Ferguson is still the linchpin I have to say that everything goes through him it's been that since day one since he arrived from Hamilton Ackies which for such a young lad really speaks volumes of him it also shows why there's absolutely no chance he's going to Italy on loan I think that is the most ridiculous speculation I've heard in many many a month yeah a very a very strange link that one the one the one thing I will say or the two things I will say about the game um negatives for the Don's side of things obviously the penalty was wrong, we've already said the penalty was the wrong decision um, from Kevin Clancy but the way they switched off defensively for me, that cross when it was coming in, it was so close to Joe Lewis that for me he should be coming out and you know, he should be coming out and claiming it. If if not, then Ross McCrory again, really close to hand and just leaves it for his goalkeeper it would have been so simple for him to just stick a foot in and get that miles from the goal. Um, and yeah, I think I think the stats are something like Aberdeen have conceded first in sixteen of their twenty-one league games this season, which is, you know, the the old adage is if you keep a clean sheet, you can't lose the game. And you know they're giving themselves that mountain to climb a little bit too often by going a goal down in games. Obviously, they managed to get the point a point, um, and could have maybe got more on Tuesday night. The other thing I thought during the game is obviously Marley Watkins was out injured, but when they were pushing for that winner towards the end of the game, Conor McLennan obviously came on, and I was sort of in the WhatsApp group with my pals and that. It was very noticeable for from about 60 minutes that Funzo Ojo out on the left was kind of getting less and less of the ball. He was less involved because, I mean, he's not necessarily you know a natural attacker out there, and you felt they needed another attacking option, but when you look to the bench, bar Conor McLennan, there wasn't really an option there. You had Neil McGinn, but did he have this sort of pace and you know the, the power and the running ability to get at Rangers? You you kind of feel like we've discussed it often enough, but the, the need for like more wingers to maybe come in, in January and sort of give them that option. God, <laughs> where do we start with all that? Yes, it's a penalty. Yes, Clancy got it wrong. No, he wasn't doing Rangers. Um, how do I say this? He wasn't anti-Rangers. I, I find that incredible. Some of the uh, comments from the Rangers fans after the game online that Clancy was somehow he's out to get them or something. It was just bit incredible. The two the two games that Aberdeen have played this season, massive penalty decisions have gone against them in both yeah. of them. Un, un, unreal. But anyway, anyway, the the goal the Dons conceded though, um, they went to sleep a little bit, didn't they? Oh, right, right. it's. I mean, Scott Wright 
and Ryan Kent are both given far too much time on the ball, either wing, in the build-up. And when the ball finally comes in, we're looking at Ross McCrory and Joe Lewis in particular here, guys. Somebody needs to take charge of that situation. To me, I felt I was watching two players looking as if to say, well, you deal with it, and nobody did. Um, and you, you touched on the amount of goals Aberdeen have conceded first this season. It, it, it is pretty frightening. But the, the flip side of it was up. it's nine points they've regained from a losing position after that's happened this season. So I'm sure Stephen Glass, while frustrated at the number of times they've conceded first, is probably quite happy to see the reaction to going a goal behind in quite a few of these games. Um, but yeah, the bench. I mean, I, I don't like the one striker up top. It doesn't get the, best, the most out of Christian Ramirez. To be fair to the, the American, he, he ran his socks off, to use the cliche. He, he chased everything, but he was on his own. He was isolated too often for me. And that was why there wasn't that many chances in the game. He's a yeah. finisher and his link-up play is good, but it's a hard slog when you're on, on your own. I don't, I don't care who you are. I mean, look at Ronaldo at Man United. He scores plenty of goals, but only he's, if he's not getting the ball, he's not making an awful lot of impact in a game. And now I'm not doing, drawing a, a Ramirez-Ronaldo comparison before anyone gets excited here. But the problem is there's a dearth of options to play that role supporting Ramirez if Marley Watkins isn't there. They're trying to address that as the pursuit of Jamie McGrath or St Mirren has illustrated, but he's dithered, he's delayed, and the Dons have eventually gone, right, we're looking somewhere else now. The player's entitled to keep his options open, but Aberdeen, as we saw, can't wait around for one player to make his mind up. They need to move on. Uh, elsewhere, the options are diminishing. That's Jack Gurr, now joined Matty Longstaff and Austin Samuels in departing the club in the last month. I don't think the departure of any of the three of them is a surprise to anyone. And, of course, who can forget good old Ronnie Hernandez is now officially off the books. So with him gone, Gar back in the States, and a bid for Calvin Ramsey seemingly inevitable, you're now looking at that right-back position thinking, oh, it's looking a bit precarious there now as well. Ramsey could go this month. We'll, we'll wait and see. Or he could come back on loan. Um, but I, whatever it is, just look at how the game is finishing. And you Johnny Hayes at right back at one point and you're now looking at Hayes or Funso Ojo as the potential right back options behind Calvin Ramsey that can't, can't be that <laughs> can't be good going into the second half of the season it needs to be addressed yeah and I think the thing with Hayes being there is towards the end of the game when they were really pushing you could have had Hayes playing you know further forward and trying to assist the attack but because because of Ramsey having to go off Dean Campbell being an option to come on at left back that meant obviously Hayes was having to spend his time, you know, dealing with Ryan Kent. The, I, I seen one of the Dons fans tweeting at one point, probably just after the game, that there was a chance towards the end where Ramirez got the ball out wide and he put on he put in a delicious ball for Connor McLennan, but the the shame was that Ramirez wasn't the person also in the middle <laughs> able the because he because he would have finished that one off. I mean I, again, I, I see it every week, and I've been tweeting about it this morning as well. But if the if the wind cried Mary for Jimi Hendrix back in the sixties or whenever it was, <laughs> it's currently crying when it goes past Union Grove at the moment. It's currently whispering Regan Charles Cook to me, as I'm sure we'll get onto when Andy speaks up in the next few minutes. But he to me looks like a natural potential transfer target for the Dons, given given he's a wide man, given how good he is at running at defenders, putting the feed in defenders, he's scoring goals, he's setting up goals. I'm beginning to cure a commission for this, lad. 
It just, yeah, I'm his agent, <laughs> part time. <laughs> but uh, it seems to be like it, it seems to be what they're after anyway. It's certainly a player of that ilk. I think they need to be getting somebody like that in in January, if not, you know, a couple of more attacking players. Um, the Dons have obviously they start the Scottish Cup campaign this weekend. I suppose playing Edinburgh City, it's kind of it's one of those thankless tasks for the Dons. They're playing a League Two side, side that we know that Elgin, one of our other teams, just cannot beat. But Aberdeen will just want to get through this one, won't they, at the weekend and then oh. turn their attention to St Mirren on Tuesday, given what happened in the League Cup as well against Wraith Rovers. Ab- absolutely. Anyway, who cares if it's a 5-0 or a scrappy 1-0 sclaff off somebody's backside? It's progress to the fifth round is all you're looking for in this one. Um, following that disappointment in the League Cup at Wraith, I really hope the manager puts out his strongest available team against Edinburgh City. Um, Stephen Glass might disagree with this, but for me, Aberdeen don't have the strength and depth to be making wholesale changes for any game. Get the tie won and then take some of your guys that have had a lot of minutes off and look ahead to, to Paisley on Tuesday, but win the tie first, please. Yeah, should be an interesting one. Uh, anyway, we shall move on. That's 40 minutes on Aberdeen, so hopefully that's satisfied the, the Dons contingent to listen to this. Uh, next up, Ross County and their quite quite sparkling win against Motherwell. Northern Goal is brought to you in association with Aberdeen Sports Village. With memberships to suit all ages, Aberdeen Sports Village is for everyone in the community. I'm there all the time to interview athletes, play football on the indoor pitches, swim or use the gym. But you can also dive, choose from over 100 exercise classes, play racket sports, chill in the sauna and steam room, run on the athletics track and more. Achieve your goals at Aberdeen Sports Village. Search for Aberdeen Sports Village online for more information. Right, Andy. County as well, showing like the Dons, that they could handle a bit of adversity in midweek, well, towards the start of the week, really. But they were playing against a Motherwell side that were going for three wins on the bounce. County were obviously trying to create a bit of space at the bottom of the league between themselves and the the bottom two, which obviously the bottom two positions come with the threat of relegation. Um, But at 1-1, I believe it was, they got uh, Jordan Tilson sent off for a Straight red card. What did we think, first of all, of the sending off? John Beaton looked to be pretty convinced pretty quickly that it was a straight red. Yeah, the the challenge brought about a, a really um, instant reaction from the, the Motherwell players. They were right on his case. It happened right in front of the Motherwell fans as well. So, you know, there was a lot of noise. Um, I mean, my, my instinct at the time was that... Um, you know, it, it probably was a red, and from having seen it back, I'm probably along the same lines. Um, I think it's it's the way that he he jumps in. Um, it's pretty reckless and un, a very untidy challenge. I mean, it, it looked as if it was two footed. When you, when you slow it down, you, you do see that the um, the challenger only connects with uh, only one of his feet actually connects with with Liam Donnelly. Um, so it isn't a two-footer per se, but it's just the way that he, he goes in. I know he wins the ball as well, but um, I'm certainly able to to see why John Beaton, um, you know, went with the the decision that he that he did in the end. Do you think? Um, obviously, Malcolm McKay said after the game that he was waiting to see the footage. His first instinct was that it was harsh. He was waiting to see the footage. Um, I imagine that having seen the footage, well, the, the threshold's probably um, been passed now, but. 
understandable if they didn't appeal it. Well, he was waiting on a different camera angle that County, I think, themselves had. Um, I think they've got their own camera that, that was on that side of the ground. So he was going to wait and, and see uh, you know, what that uh, footage brought uh, before making his mind up on, on whether they would appeal it. So um, we'll find out later today you know, where County stand on, on that one. But um, I mean, in, as as things turned out, County were able to use the the dismissal of one of their own players as a turning point in their own favour because Motherwell had only equalised five minutes before that, and it was at a stage when they they very much deserved it. They'd started the the second half on the front foot, and uh, you know to then come up against ten men, you thought that everything was swinging in their favour. But uh, County just refused to accept the point, which I think most people in the ground thought they would be doing. Um, it was by no means a, a containing job to to settle for that against a, as you say, a, a team up towards the the top end of the the table. They they showed attacking intent and and belief, and they got the rewards for it. It was certainly a a, a memorable night for the the County fans. Who was your man the match, Andy? <laughs> well, I mean, I was ready to give it to the debutant Declan Drysdale because, um, I, I mean, as much as Motherwell uh, were ultimately frustrated with, you know, what uh, what they produced on the night, they, they did have quite a lot of the ball, and I, I suppose where I'll balance that is County limited them to to you know pretty few clear cut openings. Uh, the goal that they did score was a, a wonder strike and. There wasn't really a great deal. Ashley Maynard Brewer was mainly tested just from long range. And as I say, Drysdale for his debut player that we didn't know too much about. I thought he came in and, and did brilliantly. Um, however, uh, yeah, as the game went on, there was absolutely no doubting that, that Regan Charles Cook uh, was taking that match ball home. He was actually producing the whisk in a bowl three times because the, the first one, was his cross, which was hacked in by uh, Solomon yeah. Johansson. So, I mean, I thought with that first one, it was Bevis Mugabe, I think, out on the left-hand side that he was up against. And he just, before he crossed the ball in, he turned him inside and out. And then I think as well for the third one as well, that it was it was Mugabe again that was out, it was out on the other side. But... Yeah, like he, he didn't look to have the most comfortable of nights. No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, for the first one, that was a, a rare moment of uh, excitement in the first half. The, the first half was a, a, a drab affair. Um, the goal came three minutes into stoppage time. So it was a, a real turning point in County's favour. Um, and I, as you say, all masterminded by that, that fantastic bit of skill from Charles Cook um, and a, a good dangerous cross, which, uh, you know, he reaped the... The benefits of um, later on in the game, you know, he was in the right position to take advantage of a loose ball in the, the penalty box. It was good work down the right by Dominic Samuel, who again was another attacking change that Malky Mackay had made. Um, you know, he, he brought Dominic Samuel on, and, and albeit that was an enforced change early in the game, because you know the red card wasn't actually the only disruption that County faced. Um, David Kincola. Uh, went off with uh, with with an injury in in the first half, um, so that that was a a, a really uh, you know problematic kind of way for for County to to start. Um, but no, they, they 
obviously had a, a big challenge on their hands coming into that that final half hour and uh, managed to to get the, the rewards for it. County like a, a wee pitch invasion, <laughs> don't they? Um, I noticed videos during the rounds uh, of I, I don't know what's going on with the camera, but it made, it's made all the um, made all the people involved in the pitch invasion, including the county players, look quite wee. Um, but why wouldn't the fans be happy? They're five points clear of trouble now. I think Dundee and St Johnston below them are both on horrendous losing streaks at the moment. Whereas County are picking up points semi regularly, if not regularly. So it's looking like they can start to look upwards now. Yeah, uh, definitely. They're, I mean, they were beginning to kind of threaten to do that just before the winter break kicked in. Um, they'd got themselves firstly off the the bottom. I mean, bear in mind, at one point, they were four points adrift. Um, so they got themselves uh, off bottom spot and, and then actually out of the relegation zone completely uh, with the, the win that they had down at St Johnston. So, you know, there was always going to be that, that question mark coming back in January as to whether they could, you know, build on that and, and extend that lead. Uh, and that's exactly what they've done in, in this first match. It, it really sets the tone for... A busy period that's coming up, but it's got the potential to be a, a really profitable one. They've closed the gap on a number of teams that are above them. I think there's only six or seven points between them and the, the top six, dare I say. <laughs> um, might be a bit of a push for them to, to catch uh, Aberdeen there, but... Um, Can they still win the league? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> But uh, no, they'll they'll certainly have a number of teams in their sights, and you know, on on the balance of play, they've they've shown that they're um, you know capable against uh, most of the the sides on their day. So it's uh, you know set up to be a, an exciting uh, you know few weeks, and the potential for a few more players to to come on board as well um, can only. Kind of help the the resources that they've they've got at their disposal as well. Yeah, they've they've obviously been linked to a defender, a, a Ghanaian international, no less, this morning. Um, but they've got a they've got a pretty challenging close to January, don't they? Whether they get in uh, Emmanuel Lamotte or not, uh, I think it's Livingston away in the cup at the weekend. Obviously, then Dundee United away back in league duty, and then Rangers at home. So yeah, pretty. Pretty challenging stuff for County coming up with the weeks ahead. They'll they'll be desperate to to get some sort of cup run going. I've been having a look back um, just for a, a stats piece that I'm doing, and um, County haven't actually been to Hamden since they lifted the the League Cup in 2016. Um, and you, you know, although for a club of County size, they might not, you know, that might not come as too much of a surprise. You know, most of the other teams in the league have had a a day out at the National Stadium since then. Um, they've had some some shockers, to be blunt, uh, in the the years that have passed since then. So it's one thing that they never really got the chance to do in the the League Cup earlier in the season. They had to forfeit a couple of games that uh, meant that they exited at the group stage. And uh, you know the the prospect of going on a, a run will will be an exciting one for them, albeit a, a really difficult game, probably one of the hardest they could have. Uh, come up against really just with Livingston's pitch and uh, the form that that Livy have kind of strung together in in the last uh, period. So um, yeah, obviously a couple of big league games to to come after that, but um, they'll certainly fancy their chances against an out of sorts Dundee United in their their next league game down at Tannadice uh, 
next midweek. Just in a bid to mention absolutely everything, um, because I don't think we've done so so far, uh, Tom Gravosti, obviously he's been out on loan at Elgin. He, he's had a sort of injury-riddled couple of years for Ross County centre-back. He is expected to leave County on a two-year deal with St. Patrick's Athletic, where he can link up with former Don Chris Forrester, among others. Uh but anyway, let's let's move on, Andy, to Inverness then. Paul, feel free to chip in here as well. Cali Thistle at the weekend, a draw with Queen of the South, another draw in the championship. I mean, having watched the game back, I mean, it's, to me, Cali Thistle, again, they need to be more ruthless up front. I feel they could have been well in front in this game before they, you know, before they concede uh, they get themselves back into it because of a sort of long Mark Rogers free kick that bounces, uh, I think, about 35 times before Billy Mackay puts it in the net. But And we can debate the second Queen's goal that, that level things up, uh, whether it was offside or not, or whether the rules as they are at the moment means that it was onside. But there's just a kind of softness to Cali Thistle for me this season at times where I see them every weekend. Um, they're leading in games. And you're never quite sure whether they're going to hold on that lead or it's going to end up only being one point come the end of the afternoon. They're struggling a little bit for me at the minute. It's just that momentum, struggles maybe the wrong word, but that momentum that they had after that terrific start, it just seems to have slowly ebbed away. And I don't know if it's affected the confidence a little bit and that they're needing two, maybe three goals to, to win a game. And it's, it's they're just they're not quite clicking. And... Uh, Dick Campbell, bless him, he's quite, he's keeping that <laughs> our growth team up there and they're just slowly adding a point on everyone else week by week. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 in the early part of the season, Inverness were, were winning an awful lot of games at home, but, you know, a lot of them were very tight just by the odd goal. It's, you know, a trend that's kind of set in to some of the, the home games recently, um, with the exception of the win against Kilmarnock in, in December, where they've either been ahead in, in the game and uh, gone on to either draw or even lose it um, or they just haven't managed to, to take full advantage of the, the chances that they've created. It does look as if they're maybe needing a, a couple of reinforcements. Um, you know, I know they've they've lost, you know, the likes of Michael Gardine and Anthony McDonald from those attacking positions. I know McDonald didn't really play too much, but um they could maybe do with a, a fresh option there just to um, maybe keep some of the the, the attackers on their toes. Um, it, it's certainly a, a trend that they, they will want to break, you know, really quickly because, you know, we're coming into a crucial period. Um, and, you know, these draws that they've had in the last three games have done just about enough to, to keep them in there in, in second place. But, you know, that won't last too much longer if... Uh, if if they can't find that that ruthless edge to to start winning games, yeah, I was going to say it's 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 been a strange league, the championship, in that in that despite all these draws, the Cali Thistle are still right up there in amongst it. And Arbroath have obviously we discussed this last week. They've had a lot of draws as well this weekend. It's a uh, it's East End Park, I think, for Cali Thistle against former boss John Hughes's resurgent Dunfermline following eventually like them eventually getting a win last weekend. Um probably a dangerous time to play them. You'd rather, I suppose, be coming into a game against them with them still on a sort of horrendous run. But um is is Yogi gonna mastermind a win over Cali Thistle or do you think Billy Dodds's side will be eager to not slip up 
in this one. Well, Yogi certainly pulled it off last time. It was uh, his first outing as Dunfermline manager, um, and he, he wasn't even in the dugout when. Uh, and in fact, that goes back to, to one of those leads that Inverness threw away. Carly Thistle were leading by a goal at half time, and some uh, inspirational words of wisdom from, from Yogi at half time uh, managed to, to turn the game on its head. So, uh, you know, based on the fact the two sides drew 0 0 at East End Park last time, Dunfermline will have nothing to, to fear at all based on the, you know, the previous two games that they've had against the Highlanders. Um, Dunfermline do strike me as being really inconsistent and I think Yogi has mentioned that a few times um, you know to, to go from losing 5-0 in, in one game to you know beating a an on-form side in, in the next game is uh, you know just probably quite uh, appropriate for just how the championship's been this season in, in general but uh, Dunfermline in particular uh, just seem to be one of these sides where you really don't know what you're going to get from them. Uh, I can imagine the first goal might be quite crucial if uh, if, Dunfer- uh, if Inverness can get themselves ahead, then you know they might be able to to profit from some of those kind of frustrations that you know that Yogi has in mentality of his players at times. Uh, I think there's maybe been the the feeling that if they you know concede the first, then Players maybe feel that they're they're beaten in the game, so uh, you know. Hopefully, you know Billy Dodds will manage to to get a a front foot performance, uh, you know, from the the start uh, down in Fife on on Saturday. I mean, you can't win every game, but you do wonder when it's all said and done if if Dodds going to look back at the likes of that that Queen of the South game last week, Dunfermline, the the two Hamilton games so far. Those are the obvious ones where. Where points have been dropped, that you're really thinking, well, if you if you're looking to be title challengers, those are the matches against the teams toiling in the bottom half of the division that, that you need to be winning. Well, we shall see how this weekend goes. Whether there's a, I suppose it wouldn't technically be doing the double over Inverness that Yogi would have achieved because he wasn't in the dugout for that first game. But yeah, will he will he manage to will the firm manage to get another win or another result against Cali Thistle this weekend? Anyway, let's move on to our lower league sides two of which are in Scottish Cup action as well this weekend. Right, let's rattle through this this bit so we can get it out before Cove have actually played <laughs> Hibs in a, a, a very strange Thursday evening cup tie. You don't get a lot of Thursday evening games outside of continental competition, but at the weekend, Cove obviously continued what's been a fantastic run for them, a run we've discussed every single week because it never seems to end. They're now eight points clear in League One after winning pretty ugly against title rivals Montrose. I think Rory McAllister scored for them and they held on for... The win, despite despite the fact that Montrose, it sounded like we're very much in the ascendancy for most of that game. Um, but I suppose a championship, you need you need to have all sorts of ways of winning. You can't win by playing pretty football and scoring heaps of goals every week. Hibs this evening, this is a chance, isn't it, for Cove to really make another statement about how ambitious a club they are, how far they've come from their days in the Highland Leagues and their day their, their days before that in the Aberdeen Amateur set up, they can go, they can play a Premiership team in the Scottish Cup, but can they get a result? I think anything's possible. Um, Starting with the league, first of all, Paul Hartley won't thank me (laughs) for saying this, but I think we're now edging pretty close to the League One title heading to Balmoral Stadium 
with Kate Cove now pulling clear of the pack. Uh, and I think we should also add in to the, the signing of Mark Reynolds on Wednesday. It's probably cementing yeah. my belief on that front. Um, as for this cup tie, uh, it's a few hours away as we're recording, but it's a free hit for Cove Rangers. Uh, they're an experienced side in their own right. And this is a potential banana skin for Hibs if they don't approach this properly. I think it's going to be a fascinating encounter, this one. Yeah, I know, I, I know they, they played Rangers previously um, behind closed doors last season. Uh, but this game, you do feel if, if Reynolds is cleared to play in this one, they've got the likes of Reynolds at the back, they've got Ian Viger, Fraser Fivey in midfield, we know how good uh, Rory McAllister and Mitch Meganson are, and we know like there's other players that have come up all the way from the Highland League with Cove, like your, your Blair Ewells, your Harry Milnes, uh, Jamie Masson, players like that. We all know what they can do, but with that core of experience in the middle of the team, um, a real strong sort of central pillar, I, I do kind of feel like there's a potential here. I know Cove are 10-1 or something at the moment, but there's a potential that with all the pressure on Hibs that this could be this could be an upset on the cards, Andy. I mean, when when you're as confident as Cove are, I mean, their their confidence couldn't be higher. Um, you know, so when you throw that into the mix, uh, over and above all the the experience and the uh, you know the game management and everything that you you mentioned there, um, I, I I think it's the sort of game that you'd be absolutely relishing. So, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to keeping an eye on on how this goes tonight. Um. Uh, I think it's it's an outstanding chance for them to to really you know further put themselves on the map because you know I certainly think they're doing a good enough job of uh, of that already. It feels it feels very much the position cover in as well. Like it's almost it's almost like Championship versus Premiership as things stand in terms of form. Um, Peterhead they they have to wait until Saturday when most of the cup ties are being played. They're they're playing against East Kilbride in the fourth round. That to me, guys, looks like a banana skin. East Kilbride, I've got to say, have got a pretty strange squad. They've got the likes of Jamie Stevenson. I think they've lost Chris Erskine, but they've got Chris Miller that I think played for St. Johnston for years and years and years. Lee Miller, as in, yeah, Lee Miller that was a Falkirk manager earlier this season. Uh, Stephen Old, a 17-cap New Zealand international that's played all over the place from England to China. Um do we see do we see a team that appear to have nothing but pure nous, absolutely no legs left? Do we see them posing a challenge to Peterhead? Peterhead will have to use their energy and their youthful squad this season to really, you know, overwhelm East Kilbride for me. I, I, I'm with you on that one. It's funny. This is almost the same situation we've just discussed with the Hibs Cove game, but it's Peterhead are, are in the Hibs scenario and as being the favourites on paper. Um, I mean, East Kilbride have some experienced players in their ranks. But they're not setting the header alight in the Lowland League. With all due respect, I don't think they're the force they once were in their own league. What are the fifth? 14 points behind a Bonnie Rig Rose team that are champions elect, I think, in that division. Um, but certainly there's enough quality there to trouble the Blue Toon if they're not at the races. That's, that's the warning. There's still an element of inconsistency about Jim McAnally's side for me this season when you look at the results. But certainly if Peterhead play to their level, they're capable of. They should progress, but that's the key bit. You've got you've got to turn up and play. Yeah, I just I, I just find it absolutely unbelievable that we are dis- still discussing Lee Miller, who uh, like I considered Lee Miller to be a sort of experienced striker when he arrived at Aberdeen in two thousand six, which is what 
16 years ago <laughs> now and he's, he's still playing the Scottish Cup uh, some of us are a bit older than you Ryan <laughs> yeah <laughs> we remember the spiky think, blonde hair one at Falkirk first know, time round I know I think he made his, his Falkirk senior debut maybe in 2000 Lee Miller so that's 22 years ago but always a fan favourite for Aberdeen fans I think oh, um, hard working guy fair play him Keep, play as long as you can any any notion that he was experienced kind of went out the window when the Don signed Craig Brewster in a short time afterwards. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Is he still in action in the Lowland League somewhere? Who knows? Uh, anyway, Elgin, they're not in action this weekend. They're gearing up for a... They're out of the Scottish Cup being the reason, but they're gearing up for a Kelly Hart's clash at Borough Briggs next Tuesday. I think it's the one that was postponed, correct me if I'm wrong, Andy, Yeah, Yeah, it was a waterlogged pitch about a month or so ago. Uh, I, I understand as well they're having a bounce game this evening in Elgin to try and test out some trialists because it was a bit clear, wasn't it, at the weekend in their 1-1 draw with Albion Rovers that they need a bit more strength and depth, Elgin, if they are going to push on and push up the table yeah, for, I mean, for the rest of the season. Gavin Price has already been you know, relatively active in the, the transfer market, um, bringing in Evan Towler and uh, Kevin Hanratty on loan from Aberdeen, uh, getting Ross Draper signed up on an extended deal is a, an important piece of business as well, yeah, one that he was desperate to do. Um, but no, he's he's going to be eager to make sure that they're covered for the run-in because, um, you know, they've got a lot to, to play for in, in these coming weeks. Um, they're, I don't know, similar sort of position to, to Ross County in, in some ways in that they're kind of down at the, the bottom end of the table, but chasing down a, a number of teams that are just ahead of them. Um, the playoff aspiration is still there but they know that only a, a really solid run of form is going to get them um, anywhere near that so uh, it's, it's really important that you know that Gavin uh, has as strong a squad as he can hope for in this uh, this coming period. Yes uh, Northern Gold have stopped going down below that sort of League 2 line but we will make an exception this week not to discuss the Highland League because obviously that's still covered by Highland League Weekly our exclusive subscribers only web show that we do every Monday but Paul Banks of D dominant force in the North Region Junior <laughs> Super League they obviously still in the Scottish Cup pretty remarkably in the fourth round I think for the first time they take on Wraith Rovers at Spain Park expected a crowd of 800 I'm not sure where they're all going to fit in to Spain Park those 800 people a 50-50 split 440 Wraith Rovers fans going as well um, do we think that D that tends to be a fortress for them Spain Park they've beaten all sorts there Highland League teams they beat in the last round of the Scottish Cup they beat League 1 East Fife do we think there's a chance of a memorable, it would be a momentous upset, but a, a memorable upset against Wraith Rovers? I've seen enough <laughs> in my far too many years in this uh, line of work to rule anything out. Uh, the X factor is the venue, I think. Um, if it had been a few weeks ago, I think Wraith were flying high. I, I know Banks are dominant in the junior scene, but I did think, oh, Wraith should have enough, but that wee wobble last week against our broth just has me thinking, oof, this could be this could be a tough one. I mean, what a result it would be if, if Banks and E could pull this off. It would just be it would be up there, certainly up there. But why not? When you've seen Brora Rangers take care of hearts, as I have in the, the last twelve months, uh, anything is possible. <laughs> we'll we'll leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. The one thing maybe counting slightly against Banks of D, it's always it's all a, a big thing's always made the fact that it's their pitch at Spain Park, their AstroTurf surface, they're used to playing on it. It's recently been relayed and teams can sometimes come and struggle to get used to the pace of it. Which club did they 
go and visit to make sure that they were getting the right new surface and they're relaying it recently? <laughs> Race Rovers. So maybe that'll play into things. But yes, fascinating and should be a great afternoon of cup action. Anyway, that concludes this week's episode of Northern Goal. Cheers to Andy and Paul for joining me today. Thanks, guys. Thank you. As always, if you've got any questions or queries, you can email northerngoal at dctmedia.co.uk. You can like and subscribe on your favourite podcast app. And finally, enjoy the games, whether they're cup games, league games, whatever you're watching this weekend. Cheers. Hope you loved the episode. And if you did, we'd be grateful if you could leave us a review or rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to pick up your copies of the Press and Journal and Evening Express every day for the best football writing and analysis in the North.